There's an exhibit coming up on Wednesday at the Mill Museum about the Armenian-American soprano Zabel Panosian, and the lecture will be presented by Ian Nagoski at Dugan Hall. We've got Ian on the line this morning to let you know what you should know about this Armenian-American soprano, Zabel Panosian. Ian, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And this is a name that most of our listeners have not heard. Why is she significant in music history? Well, she was a wonderful singer, uh, is the first and foremost thing. Uh, Somebody who uh, contributed a great deal to American music, I think. Uh, Was a a big star for a while in the 19-teens and 20s. And uh, then sort of faded out from memory for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which has to do with Americans' attitudes about uh, immigrants, I think. And nothing to do with her, um, the, you know, the quality of her singing. I think she's a, a wonderful, wonderful singer. How close did she come to not making it to the USA? Because she narrowly escaped the 1915 Armenian genocide in which a lot of people, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, were killed. Yeah, over a million people died, including, I guess, her father. Uh, she was able to, she was sent away, as a matter of fact, when she was 15, uh, after a, an attempt that to uh, abduct her uh, by uh, members of the military uh, when she was 15 years old. Uh, her father got her away from these guys and uh, decided that she wasn't safe. So they sent her away, and they sent her to live in uh, Boston, where she was cared for and protected by a, a man that she was married to um, from her village, who was about 10, 15 years older, and uh, she had a very good, successful life in America. But uh, once the genocide happened, she threw herself headlong into fundraising for her her countrymen. She made a small group of recordings in New York City in 1917, 1918. But for some reason, she was then largely neglected as an artist for more than a half a century. Why did that happen? And how was she rediscovered? Well, it happened, I think, for a number of reasons. One of which I think has to do with a certain amount of uh, fatigue that set in uh, decades after the genocide, people not wanting to think about the battle times. You know, um, I think her style sort of went out of fashion, out of favor a little bit. She was a what they call a, a coloratura a soprano. Um, that style sort of went away. She got older, and you know how it is when uh, female performing artists get to be sort of middle aged. It's harder to get gigs. You know. It's just a bad fact of life, you know. So there was that. Um, there was the fact that she could never... She went to Europe during the 1920s for several years and was a huge star, uh, sang in uh, the, uh, La Scala in Milan in particular. Um, but uh, when she came back, she found that uh, Americans' attitudes towards immigrants was not favorable. It was a kind of xenophobic period in American history, and uh, she had a hard time cracking the uh, classical music world. So it's a, a number of things going on at the same time. Ian, you're a music historian. How did you first come across her work? Well, for me, it was just that I was given a, a group of boxes of records by a man named Leo Sarkeesian, who was then 93 years old. Uh, he had been born and raised in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and um, had a wonderful career at the Voice of America as a broadcaster. As he was dispensing with his stuff late in life, he gave me all of his records, which included not only the records he bought in the 1940s and 50s in New York City, but the records his father and grandfather bought in Massachusetts. And that included 
a cracked copy of this record by one Zabel Pinozian. It's her biggest hit, a song called Grunk. Grunk means crane. And I put the needle on it, and uh, it just floored me. It just absolutely suspended me in time and space. I couldn't believe how good it was. And then I went to Google her, 15 years ago this was, and the internet knew nothing about her. There was nothing to be known. So I began diligently trying to uncover, along with two other guys, uh, Harry Hazekian and uh, Harut Arakelian. Together we kind of built her life story. Ian, you say the record was cracked, yet you could play it. So when you heard this recording, including for the first time, was there like a pop every time the record would go around? Yeah, there was a little tick. You know, that's not unusual. Uh, these old, you know, shellac records from the early 20th century, they're pretty durable. They're mostly made of stone. And, um, yeah, if it, uh, very often times if they just have a crack in them, you can still play them. Was this a 78 RPM? How, what, what format was it in? Yes, a 78 RPM disc. Uh, it was released at the end of 1917. Stayed in print continuously until 1931, when Columbia Records, for whom she recorded, finally deleted their Armenian language catalog. Now, you mentioned uh, her, her best-liked song, which in English is translated to Crane. Tell me more about it, because we're going to play a little segment of it so you get an idea what Zabel Panosian was all about. Well, it's a very old song. It's uh, the oldest known uh, version of the text is identical to what she sings and is now 400 years old. Um, the lyrics go, uh, Crane, where are you coming from? Have you any news from home? I am servant of your voice. Hasten not to your flock, you will arrive soon enough. So it's a song where an Armenian is addressing a bird and missing home and wanting news from home. Now, in 1917, that was exactly the experience of Armenians living in the United States. The genocide was going on. The whole world back home was a catastrophe. Everything you knew was gone, and almost everyone you knew was dead. I mean, that was the situation Armenians were in. So this song spoke directly to the situation that they were in here in the U.S. Um, the version she sings, the melody she sings, is her own. Um, that is, uh, it's a melody that she learned uh, in a little town called Bardizag, um, about 80 miles east of Constantinople, Istanbul. And um, only she sings this melody, really. Um, it's, it's been, you know, the song's been recorded many times with many different melodies. This is hers, and she arranged it and created this really incredible work of art from this very old song. And she sang it at every concert she gave. significant Armenian singers in the early 20th century, Zabel Panosian, with one of her best-known works there. 
That particular number, which maybe is the best uh, that she's done, the most well-known, what is it about that tune, that piece, that you appreciate, Ian? Well, there's a number of things, but it, it's really her voice. Um, it, it, I, I believe her when I hear her sing. Singing is very intimate. And you can tell when you listen to someone if they're telling you the truth or not, if they're just, you know, showing off, or if they really mean it. I think she really means it. You know, I would put it somewhere with Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday or something like that, where you hear it and you go, yeah, you're, this is very deep. This is very serious, what you're doing by singing this song. That was the main thing for me, because I don't, I don't know Armenia. I don't read or speak the language at all. So for me, it was just the, the sound of her voice itself. Okay, aside from her voice, though, how were you able to understand what she was singing? Did you get some kind of a translation, which we didn't get when we heard it? We heard her voice just now, but there is, you seem to have a concept of what she was singing, even though you didn't speak that language. No, right. Well, I, I thankfully got in touch with um, a couple of other uh, really interesting guys who uh, helped with the project. Uh, Harry and Harut that I mentioned, and the three of us co-authored a book uh, on her life, which includes all of the recordings that she made. Um, and um, yeah, they, they took me to school about a lot of Armenian stuff. And Harry, in particular, did translations of all of her work, and um, it, it was uh, beautiful stuff. Very, very sad. All of it. <laughs> she was born in the Ottoman Empire, and she immigrated to the USA in 1907, just ahead of the 1915 Armenian genocide. But she also, Ian, had a New England connection. Tell me more about that. Right. Well, she moved uh, when she came to the U.S. in uh, 1907. Uh, she lived in Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, until 1920, um, and she toured constantly all over the East Coast, really, uh, through that period, 1913 to 1920. Um, she played in Connecticut quite a few times, uh, played in Hartford many times, um, including in uh, 1919, she played twice in Hartford, um, very well received, big, you know, encores and standing ovations and things, packed house, um, twice, March and November. Uh, she also played in New Britain. Uh, she came back to Hartford, I know, in 1928. Um, so, yeah, she was really appreciated by the community. There are a lot of Armenians in uh, New England and uh, in and around Hartford in particular. Tracing her story from the Ottoman Empire to New England, from the concert halls of Italy, Egypt, and France, to California, Florida, and South America through two world wars, the story of Zabel Panozzi and that of a serious talent, recognized, celebrated, dismissed, and forgotten year by year, waiting only to be known and loved again. Have you been able to reach out or contact any family members of hers to be able to try to maybe close the loop and connect the dots? Well, sort of, yes. Uh, she had a daughter who also herself became a performer, a dancer, but her daughter didn't have any children. So Zabel doesn't have any direct descendants. Um, her two brothers never married. Her sister, however, did marry and had uh, kids. One of those kids had kids. So I uh, wrote an article about her for the Armenian Weekly in Boston, in Watertown, um, whatever, uh, seven or eight years ago. And I got an email because of that from a man who said she was my great aunt. So he, he was her 
great-nephew. And he knew her. He met her as a little boy. Um, and he wound up uh, giving us a couple of photos to use in the book and shared some memories. Um, uh, he attended a lecture that we did online for the Armenian Institute in uh, London, England. And uh, it was really a wonderful thing to be able to, yeah, uh, make that, that connection. He, I believe, is in Providence, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly. You mentioned the photos at your address that you'll be having at the Mill Museum on Wednesday. Will there be visual aids? Will you be showing pictures of her, those other pictures that you're talking about, and maybe play some of this long-lost music from over a century ago? Uh, yes, there, there will be music involved um, as part of the story. I don't, when I give lectures, uh, do um, uh, photos. I don't do visual stuff. I really just kind of emphasize the, the story and the music itself. Um, although I will have copies of the book uh, with me clearly, and there are 50-something photos in that. So, um, you know, people are welcome to, to take a look at that and get a sense. She was a very pretty girl, um, and this was part of her mystique, I believe, as a, a performer and um, someone who was celebrated in her time. In your work has been directed for about 15 years in learning about and telling the stories of immigrant musicians of the early 20th century, particularly speakers of Greek, Turkish, Armenian, and Arabic. But to come across something like this, which has essentially been lost for 100 years, like a needle in a haystack, is this like a dream come true for a music researcher? Well, it is just because she's so good. I mean, lots and lots of people made records. Um, and, you know, there are quite a few really amazing performers who are not well-remembered to this day. But she's really quite exceptional in the level of her artistry, um, in her skill as a singer, and uh, in the degree to which she was forgotten, um, I would say, written out of American music. Ian will tell the story of... One of the most significant Armenian singers of the early 20th century, Zavel Panosian, with I Am Servant of Your Voice, Armenian-American soprano Zavel Panosian, who lived from 1891 to 1986, at the Mill Museum, Dugan Hall. Admission $10 for Mill Museum members, $12 for non-members. That'll be Wednesday at 7 p.m. Sounds like a fascinating talk, Ian. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our guest today is uh, Ian Nagoski, who will be speaking at the Mill Museum coming up on Wednesday night. 14 WILI Willimantic at 95.3 FM.